What's up, everyone? This is the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast. I'm your host, Scott, joined by Rich with your average everyday Chiefs talk. Just to let you all know that all of our episodes all are available on all major podcast platforms. Just look or search for the Red and Yellow Kingdom podcast, as well as you can search for us on all social media pages such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All right, Rich, so we had a very interesting Monday night football game last night um, against the Giants at Arrowhead for week eight. Um, And we're kind of do a little bit of a a different thing today. I know we normally had maybe like a structured, um, you know, uh, as far as categories or doing different things, you're doing stats and all that. But I think we're going to try something a little bit different today and just kind of just go into the game and talk. you know, right into it. So uh, I'll get I'll get right to the start of it. And uh, so, first of all, um, you know, obviously the Chiefs get the ball first, and um, you know, drives looking pretty good, right? I mean, it's, they're um, you know driving pretty well. It seemed like it would it it was going to be um, like a normal Chiefs drive, I would say, right? You've used to in years past, and then. Um, you know, Mahomes throws that ball to Josh Gordon, and then it hits up off of uh, McKinnon. It <laughs> ends up <laughs> ends up being intercepted. So that was kind of wild. So, um, you know, you're just on your. What do you think on your take on you know just like that to start off the game? Yeah, I couldn't agree more with what you said about go, you know drives going well, playing a different style, right? Where we're taking what's given, a lot of short, um, quickly out of Mahomes' hand, getting the ball two players in space, right? We had to hit a Tyreek a few times there. And, yeah, I mean, Patrick trying to make a play, and I don't know if he was going for Josh and missed him or was actually going for McKinnon, and McKinnon just didn't see it with having two, three people in front of him. Bounces off his head, and, of course, um, you know, without us, I mean, us having the taller player in the area, couldn't find it, gets an interception. So it definitely was one of those, oh, man, here we go moments mm-hmm. for me. No, yeah, it definitely was, and I was like, "Well, it's uh, it's just uh, something we've been used to starting off the game." And um, you know, it, it's, it's funny though because how quickly things turn in games, right? Just it's just crazy how things are. So then, obviously, they have the ball, you know, um, and you know they're looking to probably try to get some stuff done. And it's it's literally, um, you know, like not even that much into their drive. I once like say it's like two plays, maybe three plays. Um, you know, Willie Gay makes that nice interception right there um, to give us the ball back. And it looked like they were playing a really good, like, kind of zone coverage looked like. Um, and, you know, he picked up that pass, and uh, we we ended up scoring on that drive, making it 7 nothing. I believe it was that uh, Tyreek Hill um, six-yard pass from right. Mahomes back. It, it actually took a while for that to develop. You could see, you know, Tyreek Hill was sneaking on the back of the end zone, and, and uh, Mahomes found him. But uh, – that took a little bit of time to develop on that play. Yeah, going back and watching it a few times, and Willie Gay is so athletic. When he drives, he drops into coverage, picks it off, and then as soon as he picks it off, he looks like a running back um, taking off, you know, for the end zone trying to get there. Right. Um, but yeah, athletically, that's what we've always liked about Willie Gay Jr., and he definitely showed up yesterday. And like you said, we drove down. Um, well, I shouldn't say we drove down too much, right, since right. Um, you know we didn't have much space there to get to the end zone. And, yeah, a little bit of Mahomes magic kind of stepped up and scrambled a little bit. Um, 
There's two guys right at the goal line covered by one giant defender. It was Kelsey and I can't remember who else it was. But then he finds Tyreek in the back of the end zone. So um, a little bit of that old school Patrick Mahomes Chiefs football there. Right. Um, and, and actually, I know we did miss one thing, and maybe we'll go back later and mention it. But there was a play on that first drive. I guess we could just go ahead and mention it now. But there was a play, um, obviously, before that interception on that first drive. Um, it was that second down play. And uh, I hope you know what I'm talking about. But it was when Kelsey lined up in the Wildcat. Oh, yeah. And, um, <laughs> and I mean, I understand. I mean, I, that kind of play maybe when we're up like 7 or up 10, maybe 14, and run that kind of play. Uh, that was still obviously at the beginning of the game uh, before we got that first score. But, uh, you know, it, it just it didn't make sense to me. It just, it's another Andy Reid trickery that Andy he likes Reed's to best, pull. Right? Yeah, so – but it, it seemed like that play would have worked a lot better if maybe Kelsey would have just ran it. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was, just, it was an interesting call. But I, I kind of had to backtrack on that because I did – uh, they remember about that one. What'd you think? What'd you think when they had called that play? Yeah. So when I saw Travis Kelsey in the wild, or, I mean, he was in the wildcat, right? Since he's lined up as a quarterback, I was like, man, they're gonna just run power with Kelsey. That's cool. And then you see Mahomes coming around motion, and he flips it back to him, all to just throw a drag route across, you know, the right side. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, man, that'd be a great play if we had yards, if we had space, but that close to the to the goal line, I was like, man, that's that's difficult because it's already hard to pass the ball, you know, with all these bodies dropping in that little space. Right. So yeah, one of those definitely an Andy Reid special. Um, you know, if it would have worked, would have been like, that's cool. We would have been, I would have been like, whew, that was a close one. Because yeah, just <laughs> I, I'm old school, man. Like I'm like, run the ball, you know, go big, go big sets, find your tight end or your you know wide receiver on a quick short route since we don't have tall ones that you know go and win jump balls. Correct. But, um, hey, that's that's Andy Reid, right? Right. It just nah, that's just basically how some of the, the plays he decides to call on, you know, on that. Um, so, you know, with that being said, then obviously the Giants get the ball back, and they're already down seven nothing after we got that touchdown from uh, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, and um, you know, so they're driving they. It looks like there for a minute we might actually stop them on that drive, and then there's that huge penalty on Darren Sorensen that even though I I, I forget who it was that um, actually he was um, uh, covering on that play, which I think he ended up catching the ball anyway. Yeah, so I guess right, yeah. So regardless, it would have been you know it still would have been there. But uh, as soon as you know that happened, then um, you know they kept driving a little bit, and they end up. Uh, Obviously, getting that touchdown to Kyle Rudolph for one yard uh, from Daniel Jones, which I which I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Rudolph was actually open on that. It was, I mean, it was a pretty nice play that they ran on that. Uh, but it was, uh, yeah, he was he was open. It was an easy touchdown, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's where if you go back and watch it as well as listen to the commentators in real time, um, from, I think Willie Gay is the one that has the inside leverage in case Rudolph cuts inside, and then Sorensen also decides to play inside leverage and he gets beat outside um and daniel Sorensen is not the player i mean he once was fast he's definitely not the player anymore to be giving anyone ground and trying to undercut him and of course rudolph gets outside daniel jones hits him perfectly mm-hmm. um, for that touchdown so it was one of those uh it's funny you know of course twitter is twitter we all know that blah 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 but 
Twitter was roasting him because it's like if 49's on the field, <laughs> you go at him, right? Yeah. He's the one that uh, he was in good position. He just couldn't make the play on that um, long yes. pass to I think it was Darius Slayton. I might be off. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and then the one to Rudolph, it's go after 49. And anytime he was on the field, it was go after 49. So, um, you know, I hate picking on the guy. I hate, you know, kind of being the, you know, beating the dead horse. But that's usually the team strategy. If they see 49 out there, they're going after him. And if you watch on that big catch by the Giants that Torrenson gave up and also got P.I. on, um, I think you see Daniel uh, or Juan Thornhill get back there and he, like, Throws his hands up in frustration, like, come on, man, you know? So, oh, I must um, have missed that one. I didn't see that. Obviously, he, oh, sorry, good. Honestly, no, obviously, being at the game, there's probably some things yep. I probably missed more than you guys at home watching. Without a doubt, yeah. especially your low level. So, it's a little bit harder to see, yeah, you know, those things down low. But, um, and then there's another one where on that touchdown, Willie Gay also throws up his hands, like, it, it's almost as if they're saying, like, what are you doing? Like, I've got inside, you've got outside. Right. Why are you inside leverage? You're not supposed to let him get outside of you that easily. So I think there's a constant frustration. That could be, you know, it could just be that they're upset that they scored a touchdown, which, duh, you know, you're supposed <laughs> to be. But um, yeah, yeah, when 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 Legarius Need or Travis Ward gives up a catch or or Tyron Matthew gives up a catch, too many people don't show that much frustration as when it's Daniel Sorensen. Right. Yeah. It it is it just the way it. I mean. I don't like to say it just the way it is, but it's just like, you know, what more can you say about it? Um, you know, I don't like, I don't like, uh, you know, bad mouthing anybody, you know, as, as far as on our team either. It's just, uh, he, you know, I mean, like I said, it, it seems like he's in some place he's been there. It's just not made the tackle or not made that play. So, uh, yeah, I mean, with that being said, it's just, it's just how his, his play has been this year so far. So, you know, hopefully maybe just continue to work with him and improve on his game and, you know, get better. But uh, right now it just doesn't doesn't look good for him and why obviously he's had less snaps um, in the game as of late. So um, so as, as, far, as far as on our next drive, I wouldn't say it was obviously the drive of the game. I would say it's the, probably the most important drive of the game because that's when we saw uh, Derek Gore – it was like gore after gore after gore after gore. And he, I mean, he was making some nice moves. He was, um, he was running really well. I mean, and I don't want to put the giants down either because I mean, the giants are just not a good team this year, but um, you know, he was running pretty well. Offensive line was blocking very well, but he looked really good on that drive. And, and obviously he ended up scoring um, a three yard touchdown to make it 14-7 Chiefs, and that was off an 11-play, 68-yard drive. And I, he must have had probably 40 of that, forty yards of that. Um, but what do you think about uh, Derek Gore off that drive? And he was nice. I mean, we talked about how we liked him in preseason, right? Uh, of right. course, he's a journeyman. Well, not a journeyman. I mean, he had played, I think, with the Chargers. I can't remember if he was on anyone else's team before that. But, I mean, just his acceleration, his um, quick change of direction as well. Um, really showed out on that play. And even on the touchdown, I mean, um, it was a three-yard touchdown, but he ran like 15 yards to get to the end zone, right? Because it was a, yep. a play out left. Um, but, man, I just I, – I like his his vision, his agility. Um, so, no, I was happy for him, and, and it was exciting to see a running back move like that because um, I would say it's probably been since – I would say Damon Williams, and if not, maybe then Jamal Charles – 
Because yeah. even Kareem Hunt, right? Kareem Hunt mm-hmm. was a little bit more of a bruiser. Um, good, good vision, good change of direction. But it's good to see Gore's acceleration. And, and that's one thing I've always said about running backs is you can find them in the first round, sixth round, undrafted. James Robinson from Jacksonville is is currently the the big time undrafted running back in the NFL. So um, yeah, I mean, you know, why not give Derek Gore some time if he can play the way he did yesterday? Uh, especially, well, it's funny because I'm sitting there at the game and I totally forgot exactly where he went to school at because my dad's sitting there and asked, like, where, and some other people are like, where did this guy go to school at? And so I look it up and he actually went to Alabama for two years and then yep. transferred to uh, Louisiana Monroe. So uh-huh. my dad's like, well, man, um, you know, if Nick Saban, exactly. you know, got him to come in, he's got to have some kind of talent, right? All right. So you would think so. Um, but yeah, to see to see him actually finally get some decent time. I know I think he was in a few plays last week, but, um, you know, he actually got some decent time in this game and to see what he can actually do. Like, I mean, once again, it was maybe one of the unperforming teams it was against, but it was it was a good showing. Regardless, it was a good showing to see what he could do. And ho- hopefully his continues on, especially in these uh, upcoming games we got coming on and see, you know, how much more time he's actually in the game um, as well. But that was it, I thought that was really uh, cool to see, you know him, especially like he was kind of like Fortson, right? Like the popular guy from the preseason, right. um, and on to see him do pretty well. So for that, uh, and then kind of the end the half, the Giants kind of had a I would say more so like a a slow drive for the most part, but they end up getting ultimately um, a field goal, making it twenty three or sorry, uh, twenty three yard field goal, sorry, making it fourteen. Kansas City and 10 for the Giants going into the half. Um, and I think I was reading, actually, the Giants, I think, were having some issues. They didn't have – I think they only had one timeout in that last drive because they were having some headset issues. I was hearing early in the game is why they had to call two timeouts uh, early on in that game too as well. So they, their clock management, I think, wasn't as great there towards the end of the half for them. But ultimately, we went to the half you know, up by four. So what are your, what are your thoughts going into the half, you know, thinking about the rest of the game? Um, I just wanted Andy Reid to continue to get the ball in the playmaker's hands as quickly as could be um, kind of protecting Mahomes from himself. Uh, I, it sounds bad, but it, that's reality. And that's all I thought about is just defense playing the way it's been. Um, and just Andy Reid continuing to get the ball quickly into playmaker's hands so that, Mahomes doesn't have to run around or feel like he has to do too much. And thankfully, I mean, let's say there weren't any points in the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken, right? But right. Um, that continued where, you know, we had short passes. We had short passes. There, were, there was, I think, one in the third quarter where Mahomes went deep or tried to go deep. Um, but for the most part, it was, it was a pretty conservative third quarter, minus a turnover there. <laughs> Right, and as we obviously were seeing um, as of late from all teams since the Super Bowl, we've seen everyone play that zone kind of coverage defense, playing that too high safety. And it seemed really in the third quarter when we were out there on offense, it seemed like we were really struggling against that. Uh, Obviously, we did a good job all night long. I felt like uh, we had talked about earlier with Tyree Kill and the short passes. He ended up with, uh, you know, having 12 catches on 18 targets. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, it just felt like, 
you know, and Kelsey was struggling to get open. Um, you know, we'll still, we're still wondering how healthy he might be from, from a few weeks ago. Um, you see, you know, whatever, but obviously he was, there was times I was seeing him out there. He was covered like two or three guys around him, um, too as well. But yeah, uh, I can't remember what drive that was in the third quarter. I want to say it was what towards the end of that third quarter where Kelsey finally actually kind of got involved. And then, um, yeah, the ball came out and, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, cost us on that drive. But, um, I mean, as far as on, you know, the performance of, you know, those guys, I mean, what were you thinking so far into that game? Yeah, I mean, Travis Kelsey uh, just hasn't been the same this year. I don't know if it's that knock he took, what, two, three games ago. Because, um, I mean, he was doing really well there at the beginning of the season. And just the last two to three weeks since he took um, that big hit. Was it the was it the Bills game? I can't remember. I'd have to go back and look. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he just hasn't looked right. And um, he didn't look right at all. Even when he fumbled, it, it just looked weird. You know, he just looked like he wasn't out there. It wasn't mentally there. So, um, yeah, Travis didn't, uh, you know, had another below average game. You were talking about Tyreek Hill. I mean, and he's he did amazing um, with the amount of receptions and just being in the right spots versus just running deep. And of course, you know he has to run the play that is called, right? You can't just freestyle out there. But right, um, you know, having sure hands, um, and even McCall Hardman, right, got the ball a few times there, and um, you know, made some things happen in space. So it, it was it was kind of like I mentioned, right? Wanted to see. The same thing, getting the ball in the playmaker's hands quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, we ended with a turnover there in the third quarter. But, um, but yeah. And that's what led to um, ultimately they had the uh, drive next to actually put them up 17-14 um, uh, with that Evan Ingram five-yard touchdown pass from Daniel Jones. That was basically around the start of the fourth quarter. I believe – I I didn't get to see the replay, but and I've heard about it. But obviously, it was another Sorensen um, play that he just couldn't make the tackle, and um, you know that that was just you know another thing that kind of people were discussing about today as well. But uh, you know, for them to them to go up right then and there, you're thinking like, oh, here we go again. You know, that's a that was the first time we've been down in this game. And you're just like, well, and the, obviously the Chiefs' offense has been struggling in that third quarter. So at that point, you're sitting there like, okay, well, we're getting the ball back. Hopefully, you can just kind of, you know, maybe run the ball more, get some other short passes, and and head down the field. Um, on that, so it it ended up actually, um, we had a long 14 yard play, or sorry, 14 play, 57 yard drive, which actually it was at Harrison Butker. Uh, 36-yard field goal that actually made it 17-17 all. And then, I mean, you know, kind of then from there on, you know, our, I would say our defense kind of stepped up, right? I mean, there in the fourth quarter is when everything kind of kind of started heading towards back to where kind of we've used to seeing, at least in the past, where our defense has always like kind of stepped up there towards the end of the or middle of the fourth quarter um, and got that going. So what do you? I'd say what do you say? You know, as far as on the fourth quarter, going into those last few drives, how are you feeling about the game? Well, you mentioned that really long drive that ended in um, Harrison Bucker field goal, thirty-six yard field goal, um, and that man, I love that drive. It was just, you know, we were taking what's given. Um, I mean, looking at the play by play, 
No pass went for, well, let's say in the air. Only one of them went for more than 10 yards. But they were all, I mean, to Dare Willems, Harry Kill, short passes. Um, again, Patrick was, you know, using the checkdowns a lot, and that's fine. Um, yeah, then like you mentioned, defensively, defense really started stepping up. And I understand it's Daniel Jones and the Giants, and they were down. They lost Pettis, Shepard. Tony for a little bit in this game. I mean, I get that they were down almost all their wide receivers, but the defense did well and really down that last drive of the game started picking it up from a pressure perspective, which makes sense, right? You mean they have to catch up, they have to score, so they're going to pass the ball. You know that it's a little bit easier to defend whenever you know that they have to pass. You can um, rush the passer a little bit more freely or with a little bit more urgency than when you got to be mindful of the run. Um, but yeah, again, even on that, last drive of the fourth quarter that we actually had the ball, right? It was, again, good uh, game management, good clock control by Andy Reid, um, running the ball with Darrell Williams, and, again, just taking what was given. And even there on, the, on our last drive, I remember when Patrick uh, gave up one of his sacks. Yeah, when, yeah. Uh, he scrambles out to the left trying to make a play. It leaves a leaves a, a, an interesting pocket. Um, that they made for him, trying to find Travis Kelsey coming across the field, decides I better not, or I shouldn't, or I can't, and just goes down. So um, it's one of those sacks where, you know, I mean, it'll be credited on the stat sheet, but um, I think the line protected well. They created a nice pocket, Patrick left, and then decided let me just go down versus trying to force one in there. Yeah, and actually before that last drive, just kind of want to touch on it real quick because obviously the Giants – before they had their final drive, the Giants had that one drive in between our two field goals. And uh, I think it was an eight-play, 24-yard drive. They had some penalties on that drive and pushed them back. But um, I guess kind of what I'm kind of bringing at is, obviously they punted on that drive, but the punter all night had really bad punts. Um, sure did. <laughs> and the funny thing is, I look it up and I'm like, okay, this guy's uh, average probably isn't that good. He still averaged like 43 yards the punt because – some of those were so bad, they still rolled. Like they kept rolling and, you know, whatever. And they, so he, because I think his longest was 51 from last night, but um, like he had some really bad ones. He just kept, they rolled so much that overall, if you look at the stat sheet, you're like, ah, oh, he probably punted pretty average tonight. And he really didn't have, he really didn't have a good night punting wise. Um, but no, as far as like you were saying on our last drive, um, where we ultimately had to take, uh, you know, go ahead, field goal going up 20 to 17 with that 34-yard field goal from Harrison Butker. Um, yeah, that was that play about Mahomes. I thought, see, yeah, I was I was telling, I was like, okay, this is the this is the drive where it's like, let's not, we're inside a field goal range, let's not try to do anything dumb. Uh, you know, if you don't <laughs> see anything, throw the ball away. You could, you know, just take, we'll just take the lead, right? We don't need anything, um, <laughs> we don't need anything really to make for tackle or something like that for a touchdown. So it was good to kind of see that. That like it's, I felt like Mahomes was getting better on that, especially in those last few drives. I saw that. Um, so I, I mean that that was good to see that. But yeah, going into um, after that, us being up by three, they have about a minute left. I think they only have one timeout left. Uh, so the Giants get the ball back, and that's when you really see like you know our defensive line obviously you know step up. And, you know, saw Chris Jones get a sack on third down, I think it was. 
And then um, Clark got that sack on fourth down, so back-to-back. Something you probably had seen in the playoffs, you know, about two years ago or when they've gotten those really big sacks in those big games back-to-back. But so that was good to see. That was definitely good to see that there in the end. I wouldn't necessarily say, like, oh, you know, Clark is back or Jones is back. But to see that is good. But I wouldn't – I'm not jumping on their back saying that, oh, you know, we're going to see this more often because that was the first time we've really seen that this year. So – but we'll talk about some um, additional help here and here in a moment, but that will actually probably help out more. But as far as, you know, the way that game ended and what you wanted to see out of the defense, I thought that was great seeing that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and I shared with you guys the – snap counts on where Chris Jones has been lining up lately. And good thing he's still lining up inside a lot more. And like you said, with the help we're getting on the defensive line, hopefully rather soon than later, um, it kicks Chris Jones where he was an all pro at leaves Frank Clark on the outside, puts Chris Jones inside um, because that's where he was the most effective, right? If I'm not mistaken, that's where his sack came from was the inside. And there were a few instances, even on that Willie Gay interception, um, Chris Jones is the one right in um, Daniel Jones's face. So, Right. Um, yeah, I mean, Frank. even just watching Frank Clark's movement, which he did seem a little knocked up, um, you know, like he was dinged a little bit, still seems to have an injury that's bothering him. But he looked just more engaged, more willing out there. Um, I know one of you guys had mentioned in our little chat group that um, he was saying things that he just needed to step up and uh, maybe not, you know, what we expected out of him consistently right? Uh, where we traded for him, but – um, he definitely stepped it up. Even just his pass rush moves that were that you know that he was applying, um, they just again just seemed more engaged, which I appreciate. Yeah, and, and the thing of it is, I know we're you know once again kind of bringing up well the Giants aren't a good team this year, you know, yada 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 all that, but um, you know to see him still do that and to close out the game, I think that's really promising from our defense um, perspective. And I remember watching that play, and actually the funny thing is, I watched him on that play and I saw that he made that nice move inside and he went straight for the quarterback. I mean, I almost knew as soon as he made that move, he was making that sack. Like he, it just looked like, it just looked like something you had seen Clark do in the past when he had made those or in the past right. when he had made those really nice plays. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like I said, regardless of who team we played in anything, I think seeing that there in the end with both Jones and Clark, I think was really great. Um, but uh, yeah, like I said, we got the win um, you know, back to 500 and, um, I guess, you know, we have a tough, uh, road ahead. Uh, and I guess I kind of just go, we can go a little bit into it now, but, um, you know, I like to call it the segment of the big three and that's because it's the, the three games we have until our bye week. And, um, you know, obviously it's the Packers next week. Um, it's in Vegas against the Raiders a week after, and it's back at home against the Cowboys. And all three teams um, are leading the, their division, um, including the Raiders in our division right now. Obviously, not we're not too far behind them, but um, we haven't obviously beat any team over 500 this year yet. And the rest of our schedule is all over 500, at least currently right. speaking. So, um, only just team real, in the NFL with that setup, right? <laughs> right. So I, I hate that. That's, that's something you don't really hear so often when you talk about Chiefs seasons and their schedule and all that. But we do obviously have a, a tough schedule, um, you know, had us beginning of the year all the way this year set up. But, you know, just kind of real quick, as far as the three games looking forward to 
and kind of a little bit of how we played so far, especially I know it's been, you know, lately the the NFC East, we've kind of ultimately won the games and played, you know, for the most part pretty well. It's just the other teams we haven't played so well against. What do you think as far as these next three games, like I would say like the things that we need to focus on the most besides the glowing issues of turnovers and, uh, you know, maybe a little bit less penalties. Well, so I just want to see consistency, whether it's the defense, the offense, um, from an Andy Reid perspective, I like the play calling. I mean, I haven't watched too much of the Packers defense. I know they've been on national TV a few times, um, but just dictate the game with, we were mentioning going back to his West Coast roots of short passes, getting the ball in playmakers' hands, letting them do things in space. I want to see more of that. I want to see more of Derek Gore along with Daryl Williams. And then, like I said, defensively is just consistency, whether it's from a pass rushing perspective. I think our tackling has gotten better. So, again, keep improving there. Um, this is going to sound bad. Less number 49, less of number 49 and 56. Mm-hmm. Cause every time they're on the field, people seem to go after them. Um, well, the thing about Neiman real quick is, um, obviously he had, well, at least he announced, like you, you think he, he made a lot of tackles in the game. I was at the game and it felt like they were always saying his name after a lot of tackles. But when I went back at the stat sheet, he didn't have as many tackles as I thought. And the thing of it is, is, when they announced that he made the tackles, if you look at the replay, most of them the guy was already falling down. And I'm not trying to, <laughs> and I'm not trying to be like you know critical about that or anything like that. But I think a lot of them were either Bolton or something, and he he kind of ultimately, you know, because obviously Bolton had I think the team high eleven yeah. tackles and Willie Gay had nine. But um, I would say Neiman actually did not play a bad game, so I couldn't really, I, I from what I had saw anyways, there I didn't see anything where he was anything close to how Sorensen played in this game. But, uh, I, but yeah, as far as I knew, I knew what you're saying, though. 49 and 56 seems to normally be the topic of every game. Yeah, for sure. Like, Ben Neiman, I mean, watching him, I think he was the one that was supposed to be covering Evan Ingram on his touchdown. Um, he's just always a little bit behind. It's like he's in the right place. It's just he's always a little bit behind. Um, and I think that's just a speed thing with him, right? He's, he's always willing. It's just how fast can he get there and actually make a play, right? Right. But yeah, for me, like I said, it's just consistency on improving the things that I've seen us improve on. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Green Bay, I mean, and we'll talk about it, you know, later this week. Um, Zadarius Smith, so their pass rushers are, are beat up. So um, it's not going to be the constant pass rushing gauntlet that Orlando Brown, Lucas Neang, Mike Rummers, you know, the entire defensive or offensive line has been facing um, because – even though this game they technically didn't give up more than just one sack the offensive line didn't since Patrick scrambled out of the pocket right to um, um, try to make a play. I won't give that to the offensive line. Um, mm-hmm. They they did. Like, Orlando Brown has looked off compared to the first few games, um, these last two games. And, and, like, even this week, just watching him, he looked really stiff. So um, the commentators right. were I saying that. that. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Commentators were saying that, man, if there's a team that needs a bye week, it's really the Chiefs. And we're going to work our tails off before that bye week. So, again, right, just to cut my long winded response down to a few things is just show consistent improvement on how the offense plays with this new evolution of style um, that we need to adapt to. And then defensively, tackle better, create pressure. 
up front as we have been doing just a little bit more. And then with the addition of Melvin Ingram, hopefully. Right. So, um, like I said, we'll talk more into, uh, you know, like the Packers and, um, you know, whatnot for that later this week. Uh, but yeah, those, those games that we got coming up, I do think are, I mean, obviously the most important, uh, this season at this point, if we could go two and one, it would be great. Uh, I really, I really don't have a, as far as a prediction in my end of what we would actually do in those three games. I kind of want to wait a little bit, probably more later in the week to really kind of think about that more. But, um, you know, if, if we can play how we play defensive-wise towards the end of the game, offensive-wise beginning of the game, uh, don't turn the ball over as, uh, at all, hopefully on offense, um, get turnovers on defense. Um, as you can see, I, remember, I don't know if you remember that play – where Sneed fell down, and it probably was a pick six. If oh. he didn't slip, it was probably was an easy pick six. Oh, yes. Um, but he slipped, but the uh, grass caught him on that. But, um, you know, just like maybe cause some turnovers, gets like pressure, and that balance of that running game and the passing game I think was the most important thing to get us back on track because every team's going to continue to play that defense that they are um, until, um, you know, we figure it out. Uh, obviously, we, we got a little bit better with the Tyreek Hill on the short passes uh, for those, but we have to continually to have that balance, or else we're not going to really move forward and get back to how uh, typically our you know we see our team play on that. Uh, so anyway, so speaking of um, within the last twenty four hours, and you just brought up Melvin Gordon, so kind of a little quick discussion we'll have about the trade deadline um, things that had happened. And we'll probably, like I said, we'll probably talk more about this in our next episode. But uh, as far as Melvin Ingram, uh, the Chiefs got him today from the Pittsburgh Steelers for a sixth-round draft pick. He was a guy that the Chiefs brought in in the offseason looking to sign uh, to have that end to go on the opposite side of Frank Clark. Ultimately, didn't happen. Now we have him. What are your thoughts? I am always liked him when he was in... San Diego or La- and Los Angeles, even liked him coming out of South Carolina. Um, he's he's been a little bit dinged up. Um, I mean he's he's definitely older. That's one of the reasons why the Chargers eventually didn't re-sign him. Um, I thought Pittsburgh was going to be the perfect fit for him, but for whatever reason, they decided to give up on him. Um, I think we were reading that you know Twitter's all upset, Steelers fans, Steelers Twitter's all upset because they they liked him, they wanted him on the team, and he's been a little dinged up lately. Um, but just the veteran presence, the experience, the wisdom that he can bring to, you know, help out, let's say, a Mike Dana, um, you know, and getting better with his pass rush, as well as just having that. That's the new thing about this modern generation of athletes is, man, they like playing with other high-profile players, right? We just saw Von Miller trade to Los Angeles. You don't think Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and Matthew Stafford and those guys are hyped that they got, you know, another top name. That's just how, I mean, the Cardinals, right, are having a great season. And people said A.J. Green and J.J. Watt were old players that are past yeah. the prime. And they're doing really, really well. I think people undervalue experience, wisdom, um, and those things. So I think that just only, it can only help, right? Um, I mean, at the worst, it doesn't work out and you cut them in like three weeks or something like that, right? But mm-hmm. um, the experience... There is skill there. I mean, he's definitely got skill. And so hopefully just him alone um, helps the locker room, like I said, with experience and wisdom. And then the cool thing, which I think 
is the biggest um, gain out of this is this should pretty much tell us that Chris Jones is going to go back inside right, uh, more times than not, right? That's the most exciting part because he's an all-pro defensive tackle. Why move him outside? So that's what I like about it. Yeah, and um, it's just going to cause more, I, I will hopefully havoc for other opposing teams' offensive line as far as now you got someone like Melvin Ingram. Like I said, maybe he's not the same as he used to be, but he's still very serviceful for what we need and to still have Jones, like I said, mostly play inside, if not all now. Um, and, you know, hopefully it helps Clark out too as well. And I just hope that this boost that we get now from – I know everyone's been – wanting a defensive player or someone in the line, someone just to make an impact come on this team and just make us a little bit better than what we were. Uh, I just, you know, hope this is going to be something that's actually useful and, and not going to be just kind of like, eh, we need him for death purposes or a filler, but I think he's going to actually be impactful. At least I hope so. Um, but, uh, you know, so that was, that was the first one from today and, and actually going into today, I was thinking like, ah, I don't think the Chiefs are going to really pull off anything. I really just didn't think so. So then we get one, and then literally right before the deadline today, we get a second one, and we obviously traded um, LDT, the doctor, um, you know, guard that we had, to the Jets for uh, tight end Dan Brown. And this is one that I think me and you obviously don't know a whole lot about Dan Brown um, and, you know, like I said, maybe we talk more about it in the next episode, more about what he's done in the past um, so far. But it, it seems like it's it's an interesting move. Um, you know, I almost think like it's more of maybe maybe blocking. I don't know. Uh, like I said, it's more so about Dan Brown. But what do you think on, you know, this acquisition that we got from the Jets? Yeah, I think, um, and I mentioned this in our group, right, is I think this is more of a favor for LDT than it is for us bringing in anyone that we would, that we thought would have meaningful impact. Um, you know, he mentioned wanting to play, obviously he came back from sitting out last year, so, you know, the man still wants to play. I think, like I yeah. said, it's more of getting something in return, doing him a favor and letting him go play somewhere else where they'll probably need him. Mm-hmm. He'll bring great experience to that very young New York Jets team. Um, because Dan Brown, I mean, looking at his numbers, like aside from just knowing who is, you know, knowing his name and looking up his numbers, right. he's a special teams guy. I mean, he's hasn't played more than nine percent of the offensive snaps this year. Um, and then on special teams, he's usually around the nineteen percent of. Uh, I'm sorry, seventy. He's yeah, it's about seventy-seven percent of the special team snaps. So it sounds like he, again, right? It's just a body. Um, I don't know, maybe Blake Bell, maybe Travis Kelsey is dinged up a little bit. Maybe it's time to see Noah Gray. I think it's more about everyone else versus Dan Brown himself. You know, I think it's for LDT and then, you know, maybe trying to figure out some more things for other guys on the roster. So it could have been more of like a – because it sounds like they saved, what is it about? I think it was I was reading like $1.3 million in cap space by moving um, the doctor. and. But I think I think you're right too. It seemed like he really wanted to play, and uh, you know, obviously he waived that no trade clause that he had so he could do so um, as well. So it, it's so in a way, you know, it's sad to see him go. You know, obviously he he played in that Super Bowl championship we had two years ago. Um, but uh, at the same point, we're obviously going younger, and uh, you know, he gets to play somewhere else and uh, you know improve on his skills. And like I said, help that young Jets 
team out um, and see where he goes from there. So uh, in that aspect, you know, it's good to see him move on and actually get some playing time now um, with that team. So um, and then obviously this isn't really trade deadline. It is kind of trade deadline related because I think uh, I guess the Rams were trying to get rid of him. But I guess just for the last one, we'll kind of talk about Deshaun Jackson, um, who actually obviously played majority of his career with the Eagles. He was cut today by the Rams. He obviously won it out um, there in Los Angeles. And there's been some rumors floating around that he might end up with the Chiefs. Um, obviously, I think Andy Reid was there when he drafted him. And obviously, he he knows um, – they so say they both know each other pretty well. And it's kind of – it almost reminds me, like I said – well, it kind of does remind me, actually, like LaShawn McCoy, that connection that they both right. had to as well. So – do you think it's a possibility the Chiefs sign him? I know it's a wide receiver, and we're still talking Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon, where are we going to see Josh Gordon other than blocking every week? But do you think it's a it's a possible signing for us on that end, or um, you would uh, just kind of pass on that? Yeah, so as a fan, I'm all for it. I mean, Deshaun Jackson's probably one of my favorite wide receivers, not just within the last 15 years, but all time. I've always been a fan of his, even from his Cal days. Um, so, yeah, I would love to see it. I think, again, it'd be one, you know, kind of like a Melvin Ingram, maybe not as productive as he's been lately, but um, he knows Andy Reid. Andy Reid knows what to expect out of him, vice versa. And, um, I mean, the guy can still catch for his age, and he's still got wills for his age, too. So um, it's just another name, right, even though it probably doesn't scare any defensive back anymore as it once did. Right. Someone lining up next to him. But, again, it, it doesn't hurt, right? And, um, once he's released, if I'm not mistaken, um, like his contract, your contract obligations are different. So yes, mm-hmm. if he signs on the veteran minimum, I mean, it's a, it's a good deal. So maybe that's what the LDT trade opened up, right? Is that enough money to mm-hmm. sign him? He got released. So maybe we'll pick him up. Who knows? Yeah. So there, there's kind of more to come because I think, that the Chiefs, like I said, that uh, LDT move seems like it's more of some kind of move that they're thinking Something about else, right? doing. Exactly. So that'd be interesting to see what the Chiefs are planning on doing, whether it's Jackson or maybe someone else they had in mind that um, you know got cut or is possibly getting cut soon. Um, obviously, because the trade deadline has passed, so there's no more trades for the year. So, um, but yeah, more to come on that. Well, you know, probably talk. Like I said, touch on that a little bit more. Um, for our next episode and definitely looking forward to the Packers game at Arrowhead. Um, it's going to be an exciting game uh, coming up. I, I know maybe a lot of Chiefs fans probably won't be too excited, at least at first because of how um, you know we're playing so far, but I think it's going to be a thrilling game. I really do, especially for offense is um, you know, on, you know, back to on how they've been, you know, been playing and uh, you know, we'll see how that is. Um, were you actually going to that game or? Yes, that is the plan. Okay. Yeah, I I probably won't be because I actually gave up one of my tickets to uh or to a Packers fan, and they're both a Chiefs and Packers fan, mostly a Chiefs. And I was like, ah, I'll just I'll give up my uh my ticket for that. But there you go. but if I do end up going, you know, we'll see it happens. If I do try to get another one, probably not because it's it's hit, price has gone up being at the the first ever State Farm Bowl, which we've been wanting for two years in a row in the Super Bowl and hadn't happened or. Even uh, the year when he got uh, Mahomes got hurt, sorry, and Chad Henney had to play. So this is actually the fourth time in the charm, it seems like, on that. But, yeah, we'll talk more about that Packers-Chiefs game on our next episode. 
so with that being said, that is all for today. Um, like I said, we will preview that Packers game at Arrowhead for that mid-afternoon game on Sunday. So thanks er again, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to follow our podcast and go Chiefs.